Well, good morning. Good morning. Today we're going to be looking at Psalm 103, a beautiful psalm of praise. And it's just great to be in this psalm right after such a beautiful prayer session with you ladies. Just being lifted up in your presence, Lord, is just a wonderful thing. And we just want to praise you. Psalm 103 is similar to 104. Some people have called them twins, twin psalms. They both start and end with the same line. Bless the Lord, bless Yahweh, O my soul. Whereas Psalm 104 blesses Yahweh as creator and provider, the psalm that we're looking at today, Psalm 103, blesses Yahweh as redeemer. When we read Psalm 103, we will see that Yahweh has what he has done and what he is doing to redeem those who fear him. So let's just pray. Lord, we're coming into your presence this morning, seeking your word, seeking your truth, desiring with all our hearts to know you more. Thank you for your goodness towards us. Thank you for your steadfast love that you just lavish upon us. And I pray you will reveal some beautiful things to us this morning. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. When I first read Psalm 103 and all the other times that I read it after, I was uplifted. It, it kind of caused me to reset my focus and it brought me some joy. There is a singular call that starts off this psalm to bless Yahweh. And then at the end, you're joining in a whole chorus of all kinds of created beings to bless Yahweh. So it causes our mind and our hearts and all that's within us to do the same. By speaking of God's immeasurable steadfast love towards those who fear him, I and I hope you want to join in blessing Yahweh after. And who better to call us into this um, praise and blessing the Lord than David. David was a man after God's own heart and he knew him intimately and he knew God's goodness towards him. So let's read Psalm 103. Bless the Lord. Sorry, I have to get used to this. Bless Yahweh, O my soul, and all that is in within me. Bless his holy name. Bless Yahweh, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy? Who satisfies you with, with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? Yahweh works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Yahweh is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so Yahweh shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. 
but the steadfast love of Yahweh is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children's, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Yahweh has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless Yahweh, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless Yahweh, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless Yahweh, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless Yahweh, O my soul. The psalm speaks repeatedly of God's steadfast love towards us, and this is our basis of our praise to him. We need to remember, and I'm glad that David thinks he needs to remember, because it's an admonishment to us to remember that we are redeemed sinners saved by God's grace, and by his grace we can keep his commandments. Well, verses 1 and 2 set the joyful tone of blessing Yahweh. This is David's calling on his own soul and all that is within him to bless Yahweh and bless his holy name. He uses the name Yahweh. Yahweh is a name that was revealed to Moses. It's a personal name. It reveals God's character. It reveals and alludes to a relationship. So it's a beautiful name. And it's the beautiful name that David chose to use in this psalm. This is an exhortation for us as well in these verses to join David and with all our soul, bless Yahweh. So this is David's calling on his own soul to not forget always all of Yahweh's benefits to him. These benefits were granted to David, so this is personal to David. David is blessing Yahweh for who he is and what he has done. Yahweh is worthy of all praise. This is also an exhortation for us to bless Yahweh with, that, with all that is within us and not to forget Yahweh's benefits. And we know all too well what happens when we take our eyes off the Lord. We, like the Israels, remember we studied in Psalm 95, can easily slide into a bit of grumbling and complaining, not being content, and we stop praising Yahweh. His praise isn't on our lips as often as it should be. We aren't making a joyful noise to him. So this is a clear exhortation to not forget his benefits. Well, what are all these benefits? And they're listed in verses 3 to 5. Yahweh, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good. Wow. That is a phenomenal list. David says, oh my soul, don't forget for a moment. Look at this list. Yahweh forgives, heals, redeems, crowns, and satisfies. That is why David is motivated to bless Yahweh with everything that's within him. Yahweh forgives. David writes in, in Psalm 130, verses 3 to 4. If you, O Yahweh, should mark iniquities, O Yahweh, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Who better to write that? Who better to know that with such depth than David? His list of sins is long. He was a murderer. He was an adulterer. He was a liar. And that's, the list goes on for David. 
But he knew firsthand Yahweh's forgiveness. Yahweh heals. Sometimes our sin can lead us down, mire us down in guilt and shame. And we need to be healed of that. Yahweh heals us of that. Isaiah 1, 5 to 6 is talking about it because he's talking about the wicked and rebellious Judah. And he says, why will you be still struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint from the sole of the foot even to the head. There is no soundness in it. He is alluding here, he's talking here about the shame and the guilt of sin that weighs us down and can physically make us sick. But Yahweh heals. Yahweh redeems. He redeems those who are in a pit. Psalm 40 verse 2 says, He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. David knew firsthand this beautiful redemption. Yahweh crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. David's royal crown, he knew what that meant. Meant that he was king of a kingdom here on earth. But it paled in comparison with this new crown that is all about who Yahweh is, the king that he is, and all about his love and mercy. Yahweh satisfies. He satisfies our inward parts with good. He enriches us. And also when we look at that, that satisfaction, there's a little tie in there. If you look in verse 5, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like eagles. <laughs> Yahweh pours out his benefits to a forgiven and redeemed people and we're crowned with a steadfast love. By faith, we take our eyes and our focus off our old age, off our exhaustion, off our persecution, our trials, our troubles, our discouragements. And he renews our strength to get through those times. He renews our strength to push through the exhaustion. He renews our strength to face the trials. He renews us so that we are no longer discouraged. Think of Joshua at an old, old age, finally getting into the promised land. What's the first thing he does when he gets in there? He has to go to battle as an older man. God renewed Joshua, renewed his strength. I think of someone like a Corey Temboom who traveled the world in older age to proclaim the gospel. God renews our strength so that we can do his will. We can proclaim the gospel. So think of an incredibly difficult day that you might have had in the last little while, or a week, or a month, that only by the grace of God you have been able to endure. And that is because God satisfies you with good and renews you, and renews your youth like the eagles. I said that wrong so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. When David remembers all these benefits in this beautiful list, knowing he doesn't deserve them, he blesses Yahweh. When we remember what Yahweh has done and is doing because of his steadfast love towards us, our souls bless his holy name. 
Now, verse 6 bridges us, bridges us into the next section, and it says, The Lord Yahweh works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Wow, that speaks of deliverance. Yahweh delivers the oppressed, and that deliverance is by his mercy, grace, and steadfast love. That right there is the gospel. We see righteousness and justice at the cross. Yahweh received justice by the shed blood of his son, Jesus. And that gospel is for, it says right here, all. And we know from John 3.16, for God so loved all the world. That imitation is for all. Because we are all oppressed. We were all born in sin. In verse 6, who are the oppressed? Well, he goes on now at the start of verse 7 to tell us Moses and Israel. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. That is, Yahweh revealed to Moses that Moses was to deliver Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. The bondage of slavery, but also the bondage of idolatry. So for 400 years they were slaves in Egypt. But in those 400 years, they came to worship the idols of Egypt. And that is spoken of in Ezekiel 20, verses 1 to 10. And it says, Israel did not forsake the idols of Egypt. So Israel was worshiping other gods. So God, in his sovereignty, provided a deliverance from bondage and from idolatry. These acts were made known to the, to the people of Israel. Well, that list is pretty long. It started with the 10 plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, the destruction of the Egyptian army, the provision of water in the wilderness, the provision of manna, the pillar of fire that led them. There's many more. God was faithful to reveal his acts to the people of Israel. And all of this is Yahweh showing his power to Israel. And yet, despite their rebellion and unbelief, and we looked at that, if you remember a couple weeks ago in, in Psalm 95, verse 8 tells us, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. In Exodus, we see the idol worship of Israel when they made and worshipped the golden calf. In Exodus 34, 6, we see that Moses, when he was up on Mount Sinai, the Lord passes by before Moses and proclaims this same verse. Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So Yahweh showed his mercy and steadfast love to Israel by not pouring out his anger on them. Verses 9 and 10. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. What an example of that with Israel. That is God's grace, not giving the oppressed what they deserved. Well, how great is Yahweh's steadfast love towards the oppressed? Well, there's some pretty vivid illustrations coming up. Let's look at verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. Okay, we live on planet Earth. 
Earth is 93 million miles away from the sun. And then beyond the sun is our galaxy. Beyond our galaxy is another galaxy and another galaxy. We don't even know how far. So imagine trying to calculate how many miles Earth is from like the, the closest next galaxy. Well, we can't. And that's the point. Psalm 103's illustration here simply says, God's steadfast love is vast. It's immeasurable. It's unending. That should simply stop us here to just absolutely bless Yahweh. Verse 12, we read, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Here, God is saying very clearly, God's grace to remove our sin from us is just as vast as his, as his steadfast love. Spurgeon put it in a way that I couldn't. This is Spurgeon. God's immeasurable love means immeasurable forgiveness. Bless his name. In these verses, God is revealing his redemptive plan through his character. We, like Israel, are sinners. Yahweh's redemptive plan has been revealed to us by the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. Yahweh's anger that we deserved was poured out on Jesus at the cross. Jesus took our punishment. Jesus suffered the wrath of God. So by God's mercy, he did not deal with us according to our sins, and he has removed our sins far from us. By his mercy, grace, steadfast love, we are delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The next verse, verse 13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Here, for the second time, we are given an intimate look at the one who is a covenant-keeping God. His compassion, his steadfast love and compassion are for those who fear him. The redeemed sinner is a recipient of all that vast, steadfast love and forgiveness. The response then is to fear Yahweh and bless Yahweh. This is what our covenant relationship looks like. In the next section here, we'll start with verse 14. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. We see the eternal glory of God and know that we don't deserve it. We didn't do anything to earn it. We are but dust. We are frail, and this shows our great need of him. In verses 15 to 19, the psalm points to a covenant relationship that involves our active participation. And that participation is only possible by God's steadfast love towards us. The oppressed that has been delivered are exhorted now to keep his commandments. Let's look at the illustrations in verses 15 and 16. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. Okay, we have a very vivid picture here of a man being like grass and a flourishing flower. Both of those are short-lived, alive and flourishing, and very quickly gone. And not only gone, but not remembered. What a picture of the feebleness and frailty of man. We all return to the dust. 
Then the stark contrast of verse 17. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Man is frail. Our days are short. But God and his steadfast love is everlasting. We have days when we are absolutely exhausted. We're physically sick. We can be empty of patient with our empty of patience with our kids. We have days when we're just absolutely broken over our sin. We can become discouraged over a failure, emotional over a decision, completely undone by stress. This is our frailty. We all feel it. We all know it. So find the encouragement here in this psalm that in that frailty, God knows us and God has compassion on us. God is active in our relationship with him and that he pours out his benefits on us and lavishes us with his love. Our life on earth is but a dot in this long line of eternity that's God's eternal kingdom. When we are redeemed and enter into a covenant relationship with Yahweh, we inherit eternal life. And we have an active part to play in a very short time on earth. We are too, in verse 18, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. So we're to keep his covenant and we're to remember to do his commandments. Ladies, it's humbling to realize that we are frail and in the grand scheme of things, we're not here long. And the reality is, we won't be remembered. Our grandkids will have some memories, but the generations after them will know nothing about us. They won't know our accomplishments, our education, our hobbies, our parenting skills. But Psalm 103 tells us that our faith will be remembered. So being a woman of faith, actively and obediently following the commandments, keeping his covenant will be remembered. The flower that fades can leave a fragrance of faith. My memories of the one grandparent that I, I never knew, I never met them, but my memory is people talking about her faith. That's all I know of that woman. Terry remembers his grandmother. And the beautiful thing is, her favorite song was Psalm 103. So that's just a beautiful legacy for Terry. But Terry's also encouraged that his great-grandfather Matthew was a lay preacher. And that knowledge affected the next generation and the next generation. And you can see where faith just continued down the line for four generations. The blessing of that should motivate us, and it motivates Terry, to preach, teach, talk, sing, bless the name of the Lord. That faith, when being lived out, is being watched. And you're pointing the next generation to what is eternal, what really matters, what will last for everlasting. Showing them that by God's grace, we can keep his commandments by believing in him, fearing him, and obeying him. They need to see that lived out in us, and we have a very short time frame to do it. So we need to see the vivid picture here of pointing our children's children to God's righteousness. He is eternal. And our children's children can have eternal life with God by entering into a covenant relationship with him.
we see in verses 15 to 19, frail man entering into a glorious eternal covenant. By God's grace, the covenant is sure. We have joy of obeying his commandments and sharing this good news and seeing this covenant blessing to children's children. Verse 19 says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Yahweh is sovereign over all. We see his sovereign plan for man all through Psalm 103. We see the gospel message of his redeeming love. It's just a beautiful bridge point that leads us into the next section of verses 20 to 22. David now calls on all creation to join him in blessing Yahweh. David calls Yahweh's angels, the mighty ones, all his hosts, his ministers, all his works. <laughs> what a beautiful picture of a collective chorus blessing Yahweh's name. And it just makes us, motivates us to do the same, to join in. So David is calling on these people, these creations, but he's also calling on us, and we want to be part of that. It's also a beautiful picture of the new heavens and the new earth that we will one day see where, they will, where there will be a continuous exuberant praise. And that's, that's my study. <laughs>